Welcome back, everybody. 2022, season three, episode one of What Are Your Thoughts? And I just want to say thank you for an awesome 2021 in terms of listens and downloads and reviews and things like that. Spotify actually now has a review system that you can see right on the app and you can leave a starred review. So if you're inclined to do so, that would be awesome. Um, If you're listening on Spotify, uh, please tap that five-star review if you um, are enjoying all the content. And I just want, again, want to say thanks to everybody. I've gotten some awesome feedback from people and um, actually the, uh, one of the topics for today that I want to talk about was the most popular episodes from, from last year in 2021. And one of those episodes was a request from a listener, um, a friend of mine in Missouri. So, um, that was cool, uh, to have a client topic be the most listened to and downloaded episode. So, um, yeah, thinking about just 2022 and, and goals and thoughts and things like that, I'm definitely going to keep the podcast going. Um, the goal is to have uh, an episode drop twice a month. And so somewhere roughly around 24 episodes for the year. And they're going to be, you know, of all different lengths. I have some topics already in the hopper for 2022. And then also thinking about who I might want to have on as a guest. And, you know, there's some topics that I think would be awesome to cover that a guest would need to be here. Um, And I think that the audience would have a a great, you know, time listening to someone who's an expert in one specific thing. So I'm going to try to get some some good guests on the show and, you know, get their thoughts on different financial topics. As always, though, if you do have topics or anything that you want me to talk about, send me a send me an email um, info at lifepointplanning.com and I will reply or, you know, Instagram message or Facebook message or whatever. I will go ahead and reply and and get some thoughts on that. All right. So shifting to topics for 2022 and season three episode one talking about and i wrote about this in my client email if you want to get on that newsletter you know let me know but i send a a monthly email to clients that talks about just different things and it's a personally written email um i talked last email about what and you know and my thoughts were on it's it's almost like a mindset shift in covid really created that. So I wanted to speak a little bit more on that um, and talk about my thoughts on, you know, in November, there were four and a half million people that left their jobs. And so just talking about what's going on and and what my thoughts are surrounding that. Then I want to touch a little bit about you know, psychology for investors and what the what this really long bull market has done for investor psychology and i've seen it across the board with clients friends just people that make comments about investing and things like that and it's really interesting to think about so those are the main two and i guess they kind of tie in together and um and i'll try to just wrap up with that so after this after this disclaimer uh, we will rock and roll with those topics thanks for listening 
Doug Osterhart works for LifePoint Planning. All opinions expressed by Doug or any podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of LifePoint Planning. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of LifePoint Planning may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in season three, episode one of What Are Your Thoughts? So today I wanted to cover a few different topics and the first one talking about what I deem, and I mentioned this in the intro, is the COVID mindset shift. And speaking about what that is, how it relates to human psychology, investor psychology, and just overall success when it comes to your financial life. So thinking about the news that came out about four and a half million Americans quit their jobs here in November of 2021. So thinking about that, you know, the media deems it the great resignation. And what I've seen amongst my clientele and really just people in general that I that I talk to is a mindset change. And obviously, as things happen in life, you're view of different topics changes for you maybe specifically or solely and the one that I wrote about here in in this client email that I referenced in the intro um, was maybe you know someone might have had a parent pass away when they were young and that could influence how they handle their emotions or think about things emotionally or could be anything any topic you know that could affect it but that's, that might be just specific to them. It's rare to have an event where it affects everyone in some way and it affects everyone's mindset in some way. And COVID did that. So it's really interesting to think about how different mindsets have changed or how more than one person or a majority of people maybe, right, are thinking differently now than before COVID times, you know, before February of 2020. So I've seen this shift amongst a lot of people talking about, you know, different questions that I get. And the questions, you know, are generally now thinking about life fulfillment and being happy. And, you know, life is short. Let's enjoy it. Where you know, the classic American mindset I've seen at least has been, you know, work, 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 right? When I first started in the, in the industry, it was, oh, if you're the first to the office, you know, you, you know, you get some brownie points and, you know, we would send photos to each other of, oh, I'm closing up the office and it's dark out. And it's like, oh, you know, good work, you know, glad that you worked 15 hours today. I think people are shifting. And they're shifting away from the how many hours do you put in to what do you do what do you do with those hours that you've put in at work and how did you make the most of them? And working from home, you know, has changed a lot for a lot of folks. You know, they can do things now during the day. If they're working and they get all their work done, who's to say that they're not able to enjoy the rest of their day? And I talked about this in a really, really early episode about, I think I might've called it a six hour work day or, you know, it's 
I think there's a famous thing out there. It's like six hour work week or something. But, and I just was thinking about, you know, people that I remember hearing a story about someone that went to their office and they might've been done working at three 30 and they just pushed the mouse around their computer screen until five o'clock. Cause they didn't want to be the first person to go home. And my thought was just what a waste. So, you know, there's no rule, <laughs> you know, there might be a corporate rule at certain companies, but there's no like general rule where it's like, Oh, you have to work X amount of hours, you know, to get your work done. You can absolutely be efficient and get your work done in a fewer than 40 hour work week if that's what you want. However, what I've seen is that people are thinking, you know what, (laughs) why would I spend so much time working and maybe at a job or career that's not fulfilling to then have just, you know, no happiness. And so what I've seen is people talking about, Hey, how early can I retire? What, what am I able to live on? You know, how can I make this work and just live on the, you know, minimum amount possible and maybe work a part-time job instead that I don't have to take the work home with me. You know, like it can be, you know, a fairly mindless task oriented job that I can just go to put a few hours in, you know, put a little money in my pocket and then live off whatever I've saved. And that's a really interesting shift. And part of it is, you know, just the happiness factor. But the other time is or the other time. The other factor is time and talking about how time is a finite resource. I've talked about this a lot, actually, on the podcast and just in client meetings too. just about buying your calendar back. Like, what's the real reason you save money? It should be to buy your time back and get more time to do the things that you want to do with the people you want to do whenever you want to do those things. And that's, again, that that resource that is a finite resource as far as, you know, time, right? And the ability to do the things you want to do is huge. And that's what I've seen in, in terms of that shift. And more or less, the it's not people being lazy. I had a really, really, really smart client of mine um, leave his job at a you know large tech company because it just wasn't fulfilling. And yeah, he was making awesome money, but it just wasn't fulfilling. I remember the email that he sent me and it's almost like a weight was lifted off his shoulders by talking about it and having me on board with it. And for me, it was like, look, you're really smart and you could work at really anywhere and make a ton of money, but that wasn't what was important to him. He wanted to have a fulfilling life, work on project that, projects that he wanted to work on, and he was a lot happier doing so. And that's just huge, right? I think people are now prioritizing you know, a less stressful life and checking items off of their bucket list that they otherwise maybe wouldn't have checked off. So that's that's just a huge mindset shift that i've seen and i don't know what it's going to do at some point you know there will be some type of bottleneck in the workforce Uh, i mean we've seen it right now in the service industry where you know every it seems like every service-based business is hiring and no one wants to fill those positions and so it's really interesting to think about like how that will shift and um 
I just want to be clear that it's it's not necessarily what I've seen. It's not necessarily the the you know people are lazy mindset. It's more just let's be happy mindset, and they're not associating their wealth with material wealth. It's you know it's either social wealth or you know you know or um, you know basically happiness wealth, right? An abundance of happiness. It's like the the board game life, where at the end you get scored based on you know, your money, your knowledge, and, and how happy you are, right? You're the little heart symbol. So that's huge. And something to really think about is if you are not happy and you're not fulfilled in your current career, what can you do to get out of it? There's an old quote that I love because, um, again, it's easier said than done, right? And the, the quote is, it's, it's easier to adjust to the hardships of a poor living than it is to adjust to the hardships of making a better one. And that's so true. And however, I think people are like, look, I'd rather get out of my comfort zone and sacrifice, you know, short term discomfort for long term comfort in terms of, you know, just having a fulfilled life. So I wanted to, you know, start 2022 with that topic and just thinking about what you can do moving forward like what are some things that you can do and think about to really be happier in life and you know if you're not happy definitely think about those things and prioritize what would give you some fulfillment in life and you know again money is just a resource to do that and you you know there are ways to be efficient with it so that you can buy time back again to do the things you want to do so I will leave that topic there, but uh, it's an important one and something that I talked about with my clients in the monthly email. So let's do a let's do a shorter topic and look at just the most popular posts of last year and the most popular content and listens that I got. So the, the top winner was actually combining finances in a relationship which I thought was really interesting. Again, that was a topic that was brought to me by one of my friends and it was an awesome, awesome topic. Uh, and apparently a lot of people liked it. So that was big. Um, coming in at number two was the most, one of the most recent ones that I'd, one of the most recent episodes that I had Colin back, Colin Overway. And we just talked about fee structures. It was a pretty long episode and, um, you know, it makes sense that that, that episode was up there cause it went to his viewership as well. So, and, and we had a lot of good content in there. It was just pretty long. Um, and so, you know, if, if you found value in it, awesome. That was, that was a fun episode to do. Now coming in at number three was, uh, season two, episode seven, talking about federal taxes, one Oh one, and then I talked about taxing wealth versus taxing assets or taxing income. So this one, though, I feel like this episode needs to get restated almost every time, especially as we're coming up on tax season. I had one of my, you know, um, one of my buddies who earns a pretty high income call me last week and he's like, oh, my gosh, these percentages don't make sense. They didn't withhold enough. Am I going to have a huge tax bill? And you know, I had to make the reminder to him of we we have a progressive tax system. So not, you know, if you're in the top federal bracket, you know, your your first hundred thousand of income is not taxed at the highest bracket, you know. So 
again, it's important. And especially with tax season coming up, it's important to know how that works, you know, the differences between marginal and effective tax rates. So if you want a refresher, go back to that season two, episode seven. And then the fourth one, um, season two, episode 10, saving versus investing. Another common question that I get from a lot of people is, what's the difference? What's the difference between saving and investing? And what would make sense for me? So if you want a refresher there, season two, episode 10 uh, was the fourth most listened to episode uh, last year. All right, wrapping up with uh, the bull market and the 10 year, actually 12 year, I don't know, the past three years have been, you know, some of the best three consecutive years ever in the market. And that's big, you know, that's big time. However, what it's done has, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna click and uh, pull things up here as I'm as I'm recording this. So for those watching on YouTube, you know my, um, you might see me looking at my screen and things like that. For those listening, you might just hear some clicks. So just FYI. But um, looking at that, you know the long bull market in the past few years of what has happened in. Um, in the market with it really just, you know, aside from the COVID crash, right. in February, 2020, I mean, the market's really just gone straight up and that's really, you know, that can be psychologically harmful for investors that, you know, they see a two, three, four, 5% correction and they freak out. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, the market, you know, it's tanking, it's going to crash. And what I want to do, and I'll, I'll post a link to this in show notes, is, is talk a little bit about normalcy of market performance and corrections and, and things like that, where it's just, it's wild. The, psych, the psychological effects that the market has and, you know, it's an advisor value add that, we make the pitch to clients like, look, we're going to coach your behavior so that you avoid mistakes when it comes to investing in financial planning and the investor, you know, and the prospects always like, I don't really care, <laughs> you know, because it's intangible, right? It doesn't matter to the prospect, but I can remember calls in the third or fourth week of March of 2020 where people were like, look, let's just go to, I don't want to deal with this. Let's just go to cash. And looking back, obviously, you know, if we, if I would have done that, that would have cost them a ton of money because the market has rebounded since and, you know, had a, had a stellar year in 2021. So, um, but looking, so I pulled up here on my screen and I'll post a, a link to this in show notes, but looking at this, uh, website called portfolio visualizer and it's a free tool that anyone can use but i looked at um the ticker vfinx which is just a uh, index fund an s&p 500 vanguard uh, index fund from september 1976 to december 2021 and there's a tab for drawdowns to look at when that index had drawdowns and you know, it's it's really interesting to look at just how many, you know, four, five, um, 15%, um, seven, 10, 
you know, just all these different drawdowns, um, 15, 14, uh, <laughs> it's really interesting. People don't really remember the, the Christmas correction in 2018 because the market just rebounded so quickly. And, and also the COVID crash, it rebounded so quickly as well. But the point here is just psychology is so wild with investing and, um, it's even more wild with trading, right? And without getting down and, and down a rabbit hole and into the weeds today, you know, there's people that have made a ton of money just in my opinion with lucky trades and things like that. And, and now they aren't as lucky and they're experiencing some tough times. So, um, just looking back through this, you know, different drawdowns and recovery periods and underwater periods and things like that. And, um, it's really interesting. So, uh, the biggest drawdown was the 2007 to 2009, which was the mortgage, um, uh, they call it, you know, mortgage crisis, subprime crisis, et cetera. But the S and P 500 or this fund was down 50%, 50-51%. So um, in the matter of one year and four months, and it took three years and six months of recovery for a total of almost five years underwater. Uh, the the dot-com crash from 2000 to 2002, that underwater period, so the time that the dollars went down and then the recovery time was about six years. And then um, what it does is it ranks the, the top 10 drawdown periods. So uh, then the other eight, the underwater period was less than, fewer than two years. So this is a really interesting, you know, planning topic for clients that I talk to clients about in retirement is, look, we need to have what I deem a war chest of cash or short-term bonds or things like that. And we're not going to hold 100% stock really ever um, for a client on the cusp of retirement. And having a few months, I'm sorry, a few years of income in those cash-like assets really help that underwater period time when your stocks are down and they help make sure that you don't have to sell at a loss inside of any of your accounts because you just have that cash or those cash-like assets available. Uh, but again, I'll post the link to this. It's really interesting to look at. Um, and then just looking at, you know, the annual returns, but just a wild summary here. So this is from <laughs> September 1976 to December 2021. If you had $1 million in September 1976 and you put it into the Vanguard 500 Index Fund, this is mind-boggling, um, at the end of December 2021, your balance would be $62,860,000. And the compound annual growth rate on that is 11.8%. Uh, the best year was 37% return. The worst year was actually also 30, negative 37% return. And the maximum drawdown was that 50 to 51% during the um, 07 to 09 crash in the market. So it's really interesting to just think about, you know, so many different things compounding. But what I wanted to make the point of was psychology. And, you know, I remember last year people thinking, you know, 
we kind of got off to a start where we were above 12% return in the S&P 500 early-ish in the year. And I remember just thinking, like, <laughs> if it returns zero for the rest of the year, I mean, that's still a better than average year. And it's just wild to me how different mindsets have changed now. People think a, you know, conservative or safe return is 10%. And that's not true. Um, if you hold the S&P 500 index, you know, over time and, you know, historically it has outperformed, you know, or has gotten that 10% metric. But, you know, how many people could handle a 50% drawdown in that same time frame? So, it's really interesting to look at and again i just wanted to be clear that corrections are normal right five six ten thirteen you know as far as downturns go in in the market so you know and it happens relatively often i mean having three five eight seven percent corrections happens relatively often so um it's it's part of you know the art and the science and that's one thing that i have put a lot of time into thinking about and i'm going to have probably multiple podcast episodes that reference the art and science of financial planning because there are so many decisions that you have to use art rather than science when it comes to anything with a dollar sign you know and we want to make sure that you know, you gain an edge, right? That's the whole point of, of hiring a financial planner is to gain an edge, which I'll have, you know, an episode about that too. You know, you gain an edge on how efficient and optimized you are in your financial plan. So I will go ahead and cut the pod off here. I hope that everything that I've talked about was relevant and I'll leave a link to the portfolio visualizer uh, back test analysis that I ran uh, for you to view. But um, yeah, I, again, thanks so much for 2021. It was an awesome year and I look forward to connecting with everyone here in 2022. Thanks so much.